This week, a last-ditch effort to save a precious area of Mi'kmaq ancestral land from cutting by Cornerbrook Pulp and Paper Limited. I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. And welcome to episode 215, made possible with listener support. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Matters. In central Newfoundland, up near Gander Bay, there's an area called Charlie's Place. It's named after Charlie Francis, who came to the area in the 1800s and is the ancestor of the Francis and Gillingham people in that area. It's rich in Mi'kmaq history and also in biodiversity and medicinal plants. Now, Cornerbrook Pulp and Paper Limited wants to log the area. They got a permit last year in an application process in which local people only found out near deadline that logging of Charlie's Place was in the works. Environment and Climate Change Minister Bernard Davis gave the plant the thumbs up, but on condition that the company engage with stakeholders. There have been meetings, but the fate of Charlie's Place hangs in the balance as defenders try to stop the cutting and register the area under the Weir Act process, which we discussed last week here on Mi'kmaq Matters. Wirak is the Wilderness and Ecological Reserves Advisory Council, which is trying to improve the province's wilderness production record, currently among the worst in Canada. Our guest this week is one of the leaders in the fight to save Charlie's Place, Justin Hodge. Tell us uh, who Charlie was. It's named Charlie's Place, the area. Tell us about Charlie. Yes, uh, Charlie Francis would be uh, the original, we'll say, Micmac uh, settler in the area. Now, he come from uh, Picatoo Landing, which would be Nova Scotia, in the early 1800s now, and uh, traveled across and settled into uh, Gander Bay here in uh, central Newfoundland. And what he would have done then from at that point when he settled, he married a, a, a Gillingham girl named by the name of Caroline, and they had several several. Uh, boys and girls, and what he would have done then, I guess, is scoped out the area and uh, found this beautiful place up here we call Charlie's Place, up, uh, I'm going to say, about 30 clicks now from uh, from the Gander Bay area on up to Gander Bay, Gander River, and up to Gander Lake, and then just up to the south side of Gander Lake, just where Charlie's Place is, between Northwest and Southwest Rivers, which is two more beautiful rivers that exist up here in the area. So we put... Uh, we put uh, Charlie there between 1830 and 1840, uh, which we have living documents to, to prove this, because there's been uh, uh, there's been biographies done on him and his family and his uh, and his and, and his, uh, his his relatives, and uh, he actually brought his mother across with him when he came from Piccadilly Landing now. But we have we we've recently lost track of her. We're not sure if she returned, but he settled here then, and he was there. And I'm actually, I think it's sixth or seventh great. He would be much my great, 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 obviously, uh, uh, grandfather. So a direct ancestor and, and, and of, of all of us who enjoy that place now and are trying to, <laughs> to 
good Lord willing, are, are trying to get looked after for future generations to enjoy the same thing yes. as we do now, right? Yes. Some uh, people might have seen your YouTube videos on that uh about that area that you did recently, St. Patrick's Day, I believe it was, as you mentioned in in the uh, in the videos, and uh, listeners can uh, find a link to those uh, videos on our Facebook page. But for people who haven't uh, watched your videos or might not be familiar with the area, just uh, give us a little uh, a little tour of what uh, is in that area, Charlie's place. Oh my! It's uh, was once I, I can. We all see now why uh, why Mr. Charlie Francis chose in that area because uh, uh, Glenn, the, the uh, biodiversity in the area just can't be matched. Like uh, we've been all around this terrain here in the central Newfoundland and surrounding areas, we haven't seen nothing to compare compared to the biodiversity and the fertile and the, the, the way the land is laid out and existing between directly between Northwest and Southwest rivers, which is the most beautiful, pristine, you know, there's nothing up above to cause any runoff, to cause any, you know, no municipalities or anything. And in between Charlie's places, it's, I guess it creates its own microclimate. Is what we're, the more research we're doing, the more we find reasons behind this. It's, uh, it's obviously a blessed place and with our culture and significance and stuff, but it's also blessed by Mother Nature, I guess, too, or to with this microclimate and this cooler night times and with this large canopy of this old growth forest that exists there, it's just second to none, you know, when you compare it to the rarity of the lichens, the blue felt lichen that only exists in, uh, well, 90% of it exists in, in Newfoundland at the time, which is in Charlie's Place. And many of the, the are edibles and medicinal plants. And instead of going 100 kilometers to find one thing, you can go, to Charlie's place and find find everything, and it's it's, it's a real special place with its hmm. in the interior. The interior Glen has its own water system with a large pond and a tributary that uh, dissects Charlie's place, and it's from from that there's hundreds of springs and smaller tributaries. And it's, it's just a heaven on earth, buddy. And I know everybody had their own places uh, example of that, but it's just a, a potential. I have to see it see it cut for for. For no benefit to no benefit to us, right? Yes. And how 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 big an area are we talking about in terms of uh, hectares or acres or whatever? Sorry, space is sixty three square kilometers. Now that would give you, I guess, times by so that would give you like sixty sixty three hundred hectares when it comes to I guess to a different measurement. But that would encompass all the just the several large bogs and and ponds and the. And that would encompass the whole area of 63 square kilometers, which is not much when you think about it in a in larger scale, right? Yes. And what's 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 on the the land now? Are there cabins, or and what what do people uh, use it for currently? Yes. Now, I, I guess we'll say the northern and the western boundary of Charlie's place is what well, three major major boundaries is water boundaries. So obviously now there is a few cabins uh, on the Glenwood to, uh, on the Gander Lake towards the lakeside on the shoreline and stuff but in the interior now there, there's very few there's the older trappers cabins here now and uh, actually my grandfather uh, grant francis was a is, is a direct descendant from charlie francis he had a trappers cabin there which we try to keep up for heritage uh, purposes and and but that would be the only cabin probably that existed in the interior of charlie's place which makes it ideal candidate for for protection because you know there's there's not going to be in conflict but any resident, any residents or outside residents that have cabins in the area, right? Mm. So now we have this issue of Cornerbrook uh, pulp and paper wanting to come in and um, 
and logged in that area for uh, for the paper mill in Cornerbrook. Uh, I guess they're after the uh, the spruce and the var. I guess it must be what they have on their on their radar uh, in terms of Charlie's Place. Um, and 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 when uh, when did you first become aware that Cornerbrook pulp and paper wanted to cut in there? We when uh, we actually had one day uh, before the end of the consultation period before it was uh, going to be closed to the public. Uh, we found out at this this was I think it was the 31st of of June uh, 2021 there and. We were scrabbling like uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the government websites these days, but uh, uh, we're not. <laughs> a lot of us here are not that up on the technology. We don't keep up on that sort of thing. But how did you see the posting? Where were you just did someone give you the heads up that this was in the works, and you went on to find out, or how did you first? How did you know that this was in the works? There was actually a five-year plan previous to the 2022 plan that we were aware of. And, you know, as far as we were concerned, there was no cutting plan at that time. So I said, well, I don't know if I brought it up or if a father brought it up or for somebody outside. Well, let's just go in and check this, this new five-year plan and see if they're, see what their plan is now for this upcoming one because we never bought it. But the last one, because it was, it was, it was time for, it, it was expiring anyway, and they never went in. So yeah, we got in there. We got in there. Whoever it was, uh, <laughs> we shake their hand. But they, we got in the day before, and uh, we got we grant we got granted an extension to uh, for public consultation. And here we are today. You know, still plugging away. Yes. So, and I see when the minister um, when Minister uh, Davis uh, gave them the uh, the go ahead, uh, dated October. Uh, I think it's dated October, yes, October 22nd, 2021. It says in there that um, <clears throat> that uh, some people were concerned and they were directed to um, to go and consult with um, with people uh, who are concerned about um, about uh, one of the the areas. They don't call it Charlie's Place in this. Uh, in the official correspondence here, but it does uh, say that this was uh, nominated uh, as a potential protected area by members of the public. So, have you, <clears throat> to this point, have you had any meetings with Cornerbrook Pulp and Paper? Yes, now we've had one. I think was the first one was on the fifteenth. I believe of, I'm not very sure dates now. I can get them for you, but we had a preliminary meeting with them. Uh, which was very disappointing because as they label us as stakeholders, you know, the interest, I guess, on our side would be called Charlie's Place stakeholders. And uh, so we were aware of an upcoming meeting, but we never had a, a confirmation of a date. So uh, Swing goes to phone this, uh, this one day, and, and they were coming across from Corner Book, and this meeting was going to be held, you know, I think it was less than 18 hours notice, what we had for to prepare for the next day. And of course, a lot of our main stakeholders now, you would imagine, is, is like Halibu, for 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 example, and our friends at Warack and stuff. Uh, they're located in Corner Brook, and you know, you can't get everybody <laughs> on on the go with short, such short notice. So we we showed up at the meeting uh, short-handed, which is probably a tactic that they they might have had, and and. Uh, yeah, I never went so well the first one, but the second one we were so, more prepared. So that was so the first meeting was when you say the fifteenth, the fifteenth of March, or when was that? 
I'm going to say that was in, I think the first one was in October. I think it was October the 15th. We usually stay around the 15th. And the second one, I think, was on November. Or was it November? I got it there. I got lots, and, too much information here. And, and so in these meetings, what did, uh, you were asking for uh, the air to be protected, uh, no no cutting. And what was Cornerbrook Paper's response? Oh, well, the first one, I guess, uh, where we had such a small crew at the time and uh, it was offered up to us. Now we we were trying to express our concerns on why we didn't want to cut, and you know all they were concerned about. Was, okay, we can we, we'll go in there winter time, or we'll go in there in the fall, and we will pull up our rolls behind us. And you know they weren't getting what we were trying to say. You know it don't matter when you go in there, but your point if you're going in there, it's going to be gone. No matter if you're going in the daylight or the dark, or, or the winter or the summer or you know what I mean? It's uh, and what was offered at that first meeting, which was uh, I'm familiar now with the uh, <laughs> working area. I'm familiar with the buffers on the rivers, and it was a uh, it, it was offered up by Cornerbrook Pulp and Paper a certain buffer on each river. Okay, we'll give you this, uh, which was already a pre-existing buffer in place from the beginning. You know, which was it was pretty. I didn't think it was very uh, <laughs> very. So that was that was know. just cosmetic. You wouldn't be able to see the cutting from the river, but the cutting would be would take place nonetheless. Oh, sure, sure. And you would see it from the river, too, Glenn, because uh, where Charlie's place is, like, it's in the middle, it slopes up like a plateau. So as you're out on the lake and your canoe or on your river fishing, uh, salmon fishing, when you look up on the bank, you know, mm. a pasture, your 100-meter zone or 80-meter buffer, whichever the case might be, you're going to see these machines on top of the hills, you know, just doing their job, right? Yes. So that was the, the first meeting didn't go so well. And what happened at the second meeting? Oh, the second meeting, uh, like you say, you fooled me once, but <laughs> you won't fool us twice. But we uh, we finally uh, got a little bit of uh, uh, I can consult the government there and just let them know that we we require a little bit more notice and stuff. And uh, we had our friends at where I attend uh, in person, and uh, virtually now we had uh, the MHA's office and virtual, and uh, Paul Carter's office, or that was Bernard Davis' office. He was uh, virtually as well. And we had a mycologist there with 40 years experience on all kinds of edibles and mushrooms and what the, you know, what the, what damage would be if the, if the canopy is removed for sure, you know, what, what, what the result would be for the mushrooms and the foliage and stuff. And, uh, we had two counselors or two mayors actually from Glenwood and Gander and our chiefs, uh, Chief Marie Vaders and, and four, you know, myself and my father and my uncle and it was, you know, pretty much trapped area all their life. And, uh, by geez, and a few more concerned residents, you know, avid boulders and fishermen and by geez, I tell you, we, uh, we really set them, set them back a little bit at the second one, which was great. Sounds like you, uh, you had a full house at the second meeting. Oh yeah, it was real good boy. And, uh, and, uh, like even to this date now, you know, every day, like for two or three hours on the horn. Uh, phone calls and emails and stuff, and every day it seems like uh, somebody else is coming on board, which is, uh, you know, I think old Charlie is still with us by somewhere. <laughs> yes. So, uh, and so, and what was, so at the second meeting, what was Cornerbrook Paper uh, offering? There wasn't much of an offer there because uh, at the end of the, towards the end of the meeting, um, see, what they were, Glenn, what they were instructed to do was just to consult with us, right? To satisfy government, they wouldn't. They were just satisfying their role, and, and anyway, they felt they wouldn't get nowhere with us because we were still putting. We were still. We felt that our concerns weren't being met, and we were just 
passed by the wayside, you know, and, and so we were pushing our Aboriginal point of it and our culture and, of course, of the, the, the water and the fresh water for the communities and the drinking water. And, but it just wouldn't get nowhere. And, and I guess the, 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 the representative from Cornwall Palton Paper looked at, the, looked at the representative from government that uh, was looking over us there and making sure that we were consulting. I guess he, he, was, he just wanted to shut his book and can we, okay, we consulted with the gentlemen and with the stakeholders. Just, does this satisfy government? And, you know, good job that it didn't, you know, it had to continue, but they, they just wanted to get up and leave, right? Yeah. So we now, can't. now Halibut was in the picture. There was a, um, there was a meeting, uh, last, uh, I think it was on the 31st of March, and now another meeting is scheduled for later in April. I don't think the, uh, the, the date has been set. It might be the 14th or the 21st, I understand, but, uh, to be, uh, to be confirmed. Um, and uh, I think uh, the meeting on March 31st, uh, I think you weren't at that meeting. It might have been uh, just a, a meeting of the council, or, or maybe you were. Were you there at that meeting on March 31st? Uh, no, that was just the uh, council. Council, yeah, right. council meeting. And this meeting on uh, in April, are you going to be there at that one? Uh, no, I haven't uh, reached out yet. I haven't spoken with... Uh, with the boys yet, I'm not sure. Now I know Mr. Mr. Francis now Calvin was was meeting that he's on the uh, he's on the he's on the band, so he would probably be the one meeting with that. Be having corner book, I assume. So I'm not sure how that was, how that's going to uh, how that's going to uh, uh, unveil yet. As yes. of now. So what what do you understand the uh, the uh, position of Halibut to be at this point? I I see. Um, in the, uh, I understand the the town of uh, of Appleton and the town of Glenwood has been supportive, uh, so I understand they're they're supporting you. And uh, what uh, what has Halibut told you about um, what position they're taking on uh, Charlie's place in the cutting? Uh, I guess it's uh, it's an ongoing uh, consultation with Halibut because uh, where they were got into it, I guess. In the later stages of this uh, negotiation and stuff, so I guess they they're gonna have to meet with Corner Book Paul David ourselves. And uh, before anything happens, I guess for them we'll have to bring them up to speed just a little more. Everybody's on the same page, you know, and so we can move forward, I guess, in a in a, in a correct manner, right? I get the uh, <coughs> I get the sense that. Um, Maybe Cornerbrook Paper is going to propose some, uh, maybe they'll propose, uh, Cornerbrook Pulp and Paper doesn't return our phone calls, so I'm, I'm just speculating here, but maybe they'll offer to, uh, cut a smaller area, or maybe they'll propose to do some selective cutting rather than, uh, clear cutting. Yeah, um, this is, go ahead. Yeah, you know, from, so from your point of view, is there, uh, is it possible to protect uh, Charlie's place uh, in an appropriate way, uh, you know, in light of the uh, of the uh, historical significance and the uh, and from the point of view of biodiversity, as you as you describe, is there, um, you know, can 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 there be that kind of approach if uh, if Cornerbrook Pulton Paper recommends it? Well, in, in looking in, in light of the map that they submitted to us. Now, Glenn, uh, it shows their projected roads and pathways into Charlie's Place, like the way that they're going to roll, right? And uh, the one main concern seems to me is because there is all the existing wood roads when it was the areas of this Charlie's Place was cut back in the late 50s. So 
I guess they're going to use their easiest way in possible, which be which would be the center road that goes dissects this country right down the center, pretty much. And what our concern is if if you know they're obviously not going to deviate, I don't think, from this road system because it's already in place and it's already you know it's the easiest way and the cheapest way and cost effective. So if if this is planned and this is the way that they're going to go in, you know, and they're, they're planning on dissecting this country like from uh, right down in the middle, so it. There wouldn't be very much left there to, uh, for anybody else to enjoy if just once the roadway is opened up now with all the mining and the miners going, then we got people dumping garbage here now. Of course, you know, in every area that's uh, dumps are closed and people, I guess, they want to throw with their washers and drawers and, and mattresses and stuff. And then you got, well, the poachers are in there. And then the cabins come after that. And uh, a 63 kilometer zone would not be able to support the. Uh, uh, that kind of a, a disaster in such a small area, I don't think. Mm. So you're, uh, <clears throat> it's a, uh, it's kind of like a, a last, uh, it's kind of last stand for Charlie's place in a way. Uh, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot on the line here, and you're, you're, uh, as you say, you're spending um, a lot of time on this uh, per day. Um, the petition is, uh, you're circulating the petition and. Um, what else? Uh, what else are you doing uh, these days uh, on the uh, regarding Charlie's place? Well, we're just trying to uh, we're gathering uh, gathering the most information we can now and trying to get some historical you know uh, artifacts and, and proof and and uh, in a few videos that I've done uh, I was a, I was planning on doing a lot more put it this way but we're this time of the year down here now and we lost our snow and it's uh, it's pretty much impossible now with all the washouts going up the main road. So, it's, uh, hopefully, some more videos to come and raise some awareness. And uh, and uh, yeah, we got a lot of people with the parks and stuff and, and different agencies that we're at and stuff. And we're working on this. Uh, you know, the way for us is is, is, uh, is simple enough. I'm not sure if you're aware of Glenn, but yesterday, or actually on April the sixth, government announced this. Uh, uh, a plan there with uh, with a lot of funding to back it up to protect these areas where Newfoundland is only at 6.9 percent uh, to a forecast 30 percent of protected habitats in uh, by 2030. So we're way behind the ball, right? Like say a provincial government, or uh, say Newfoundland PDR or whatever, wanted to make a deal with the forestry industry, and of course they work by hectare. So it's not to my understanding that every hectare that is purchased by the, the provincial government off a, a woods company or, or wherever it might be would be directly compensated by the federal government, you know, to work on this plan to, to get their numbers up from, for our protected areas, right? Right, Justin. Well, uh, thanks for your work on uh, Charlie's Place. It's, um, it's, uh, I know these things are, uh, you know, they're, they're a struggle, but they're an important struggle. So, uh, Thanks for telling us about it, and all the best. Oh, no problem. I appreciate the call. I appreciate your time. Okay. If anybody, if, any, if anybody wants to put any pressure on Mr. Bernard Davis's with an email or just a bit of support, that would be greatly appreciated, too. We were speaking with Justin Hodge. We received no response from Cornerbrook Pulp and Paper Limited to our requests for information. We also reached out to the provincial government and received this statement. Cornerbrook Pulp and Paper Limited is currently developing a stakeholder consultation report as part of the Environmental Assessment 5-Year Operating Plan release conditions to be submitted to the Minister of Environment and Climate Change for approval before harvesting commences in this area.
You can find a link to Justin Hodges' videos on our Facebook page, as well as a copy of the petition to save Charlie's Place. That's it for the program. Allison Baker is the producer of Big Bomb Matters. Rachel Dial is our researcher. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. I'm Glenn Wheeler. I'm Sid Milkman.